0: Ladies and gentlemen, and non binary peoples alike, you know what that music means. It's time for another amazing, fan tabulous episode of Wired Up. This is Wired Up, episode 83, here on the Take It Easy podcast. And, you know, we've been doing Wired Up for a while and. Honestly, during these uh, during these quiet times in the sports calendar, it can be uh, a little bit much doing six podcasts a week, so Wired Up comes in sparingly, and uh, I appreciate every single one of you who continues to download and support Wired Up, just like the rest of the Take It Easy library, and what I just wanted to turn on the microphones and talk about today is the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame ceremony, because... Last year, obviously, with COVID, there wasn't a Pro Football Hall of Fame ceremony, and, you know, I wasn't planning to talk about it originally, but after watching Saturday's enshrinement ceremony for about three hours or so, getting a bunch of people who were names that I recognized, but had mostly been recognized for arguments about whether or not they deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, like, I I really only know Isaac Bruce from or Isaac Burse, I know whichever way you want to pronounce it works, but I only know him from arguing that he should or should not be a Hall of Famer. Same thing with like Steve Atwater um, and Donnie Shell, who went into the Hall of Fame from the Steel Curtain Pittsburgh Steelers. And so a lot of these names um, in the past have been like names that are like fringe recognizable and some all-timers like Ray Lewis, um, who had, you know, a, a weird all-timer speech from a few years ago, but See, now we're getting into the territory where these are players where I've seen the bulk of their careers. And it's making me have like a reality check because I remember when these players were drafted. And I remember the primes of their careers. I used to own a video game with Troy Polamalu's face on it. And now Troy Polamalu is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. So this is now the moment where I watched all... All of Calvin Johnson's career, I watched a good portion of Peyton Manning's career. I used to hate Peyton Manning. Hate, 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 hate Peyton Manning because of what he did to the Chargers in the early 2000s or mid-2000s when I was growing up in San Diego. And then he got to the Broncos and they were the hated division rivals. And you hated Tom Brady and you hated Peyton Manning growing up as a Chargers fan. I used to hate, hate... Hate Peyton Manning, but I remember watching Peyton Manning years and years in the backyard. I used to make Peyton Manning suck when he played for the Colts in like nine and ten year old football teams. I used to make Peyton Manning terrible. He would lead the league in interceptions. The Colts would win like five games because I hated Peyton Manning. I was fair to Peyton Manning, but uh, I I made sure that he stunk. Like I recognize Peyton Manning is awesome, and I want him to suck in my own reality because I hate Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning and Yasiel Puig, growing up in San Diego, those were the two players that you hated were Peyton Manning and Yasiel Puig in the two thousand early two thousand tens. And now Peyton Manning and Calvin Johnson and Troy Polamalu are in the Hall of Fame, and uh, Troy Polamalu has the scarring memories too of the one handed or the one fingered interception in the playoffs. And watching Super Bowl 43 against the Cardinals and him winning defensive player of the year and losing in the Super Bowl to Aaron Rodgers. Like, I remember these things pretty clearly. And it makes me feel super weird, like not old or like having an existential crisis, but just makes me feel weird to see players that I know go into the Hall of Fame. And there's obviously like part of it is also the, the heartwarming stories like, I remember when Kurt Warner was getting inducted in the Hall of Fame, and I remember parts of Kurt Warner's career, but I didn't even know that Kurt Warner was um, a Hall of Fame good. I just remember him as the the crappy quarterback on the Cardinals who went to the Super Bowl and then was terrible after that. Like That's the extent of my knowledge of Kurt Warner. And I remember he was going into the Hall of Fame, and I heard his story that's now being turned into a, a Disney movie starring the the same actor who played Shazam uh, in the DC 2019 movie Shazam. Um, I don't know his name, but he's Shazam. And I remember the story of Kurt Warner and, and hearing that he was four-year starter at Northern Iowa, cut by the Packers as an undrafted quarterback, was going to the the Arena League in NFL Europe, and was working as a grocery store clerk and telling the story of of his car breaking down with his first child and his wife and having to run 2 miles to get gas in the snow and that being the moment where he realized that that will like he would never have to put his family in that position again because they didn't have money at that time and he was trying to fund an NFL dream and You know, when some people would give up and start whatever next phase of their life would be, I guess Kurt Warner decided to to be a better quarterback or work exponentially harder. And, you know, good luck broke his way. He won MVP after replacing Trent Green. And lo and behold, he ends up being a Hall of Famer that I didn't realize he would be. So, like, heartwarming stories like that, like, I genuinely couldn't believe. And, you know, it's the same thing I crap on the Olympics for is that they try and, humanize and do these heartwarming stories with the athletes that draw in um the casual sports fan or casual fans who are not sports fans into the Olympics and, you know, the Olympics are now over finally. Um I we tried to make an effort of not talking about the Olympics, except with Morgan, because I wanted to to laugh at Olympic basketball because basketball is still one of the sports that's actually kinda cool. Like it's the sport for sports fans. At the Olympics, baseball—you know—slowly becoming that. But I, I was interested by these like stories that are told at the Hall of Fame about NFL players and you know a collection of men pouring out their souls and crying and emotions that help you feel things because you know when you grow up in repressed <laughs> a childhood, um, maybe it helps you to feel things. And this is how I work through some of those emotions, too, is thinking about how I, you know, feel things from watching, watching Hall of Fame induction ceremonies or hearing heartwarming stories or watching movies and things like that, that that you know, tug at your heartstrings. And you know, the Hall of Fame, all, the Hall of Fame ceremony is something that brings me back to childhood, even if I didn't know the players other than just by name, like not watching their careers. Uh, it was something that I had I had missed across the last two years. It's something that brought me back to, to home or something that I hadn't watched really in three years because I don't think I watched the 2019 ceremony. But, you know, it brought me back to, to childhood and, and good childhood memories, like childhood memories that made me feel raw emotion. Um, but now I have a different experience with it, as I mentioned, where uh, all of a sudden I have... Players who I literally grew up watching now getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, where I can actually connect to the careers because I watched pretty much all of Troy Polamalu's career. Yes, as a child, but the, the Steelers took out the Chargers in the playoffs in 2009, I want to say, 2008, 2009, one of those years, it was snowing in Pittsburgh And they took out the Chargers with Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates and Darren Sproles. I think this was post-LT now that I think about it. But um, I think two thousand the year they went to the Super Bowl, I want to say they took out the Chargers. And I remember watching Troy Palamalu. And again, like I said, owning the video game of Troy Palamalu was like something that kind of freaked me out with Madden 10 on the old Xbox. I had a Wii 2 that had Madden 11 and Madden 12, but Madden 10 was a little bit after that so like this is like connecting points to my childhood now instead of like childhood memories of watching the ceremony now I have childhood memories to earliest days of watching football and watching Peyton Manning year after year after year and just root year after year after year that Peyton Manning would fail and watching Calvin I'll never forget I was at a I I can't remember why I was in Coronado San Diego which Coronado Sucks. Let me just throw that out there. Uh, Point Loma High School all the way through. And I was was at a restaurant and Calvin Johnson on Monday Night Football, I want to say it was against the Saints. Calvin Johnson broke the single season receiving yards record. And this was like a big thing at the time where Calvin Johnson was... You know, he was the he was Megatron. He was the wide receiver. He was the guy you were picking on your fantasy football team. Uh and Calvin Johnson was this was right as I was dabbling into fantasy football too, but Calvin Johnson was the man. And that whole season was building up like, Hey, last game of the season, Monday night, Calvin Johnson's gonna try and break the touchdown record, and lo and behold, he breaks the touchdown record with a game to spare and, or I'm sorry, the receiving yards record, not the touchdown record, the receiving yards record. And I, I have that vivid memory of Calvin Johnson and Calvin Johnson's dropped catch. That should have been a touchdown because we then all of a sudden spent a decade. Thanks to Calvin Johnson. We spent a decade debating what a catch was and what a catch isn't. And we still don't know still to this day. We still don't know what a catch is in professional football. And part of that, we can blame to Calvin Johnson, but you know, like, these are real memories that connect me to this, so now all of a sudden, I wasn't sure if I was going to watch the Hall of Fame ceremony on Saturday. And it's a double ceremony, because COVID knocked out the 2021, and they did a centennial class, and there were 12 people who got enshrined, um, and I'll definitely watch the Sunday one tomorrow, or today. This is recorded Saturday night, but I'll definitely watch the Sunday one uh, now, because this is, this is like a connecting point that I have now, and... You know, this is a new version of a a something that brought me great joy as a kid, and like it's a nerdy way of thinking about it, but it's something that made me smile. It made me help to feel things, and you know, like I had mentioned before, I want—I had mentioned that the the stories that were being told throughout this, and there were a few that I wanted to touch on that were you know kind of like cool. Before getting back to me and my emotions, um. One of the things that's interesting about Jimmy Johnson, and Jimmy Johnson doesn't resonate to me in the same way that you know it does for people who, who live to see Jimmy Johnson coach through the 80s and 90s, but um, I, I'm a I'm well-documented huge fan of the Levitard show, and they talk a lot about Jimmy Johnson because of what he means to Miami, coaching the U, uh, replacing Don Shula. Um and, and Jimmy Johnson now living down in the Florida Keys and being friends with Dan Lebetard. and you know one of the things that he talks about is that Jimmy Johnson found perspective in life uh, looking at his mom's uh, casket at his at her funeral and, and realizing that he had football he didn't like what football had done to him that football had been this gross pursuit of being better than the competition having to spend more time with with the players and the guys in the locker room than with your family which Bill Coward documented well that you know that he wanted to have great relationships with his players and with the people who were his coaches because he was going to be spending more time with them than anybody else in his life and these were lifelong friends that he would build with three decades working with the Steelers and, and working with CBS and you know, Jimmy Johnson talked about he didn't like what that had become and what it had turned him into. Um, he said during his Hall of Fame speech that, you know, his his two sons played football and he never once watched them play. Not one time he watched his sons play football. He, he was disenfranchised from his sons. He didn't have a great relationship with his family and, and the wife who had or his spouse who had raised his two kids and he spent two decades after retiring in the 90s at in his 50s spent the next two decades repairing that and it was a it was a perspective that is always connected to me and I'm not always sure or comfortable to explain why the reason is but it's always it's connected to me hearing Lebetard tell that story and hearing Jimmy reiterate that again during his Hall of Fame speech was you know, it's something that it, it brings emotions to, to my soul and, and obviously that's it being in the emotions or being in the logical speaking business where you use the logical side of your brain to articulate thoughts into words and this connects to, to brain chemistry where the left side of your brain is your logical thinking and the right side of your brain is your emotional thinking and the right side of your brain doesn't have any connection to your speech or to your to the speech functions of your brain. And so when we feel things, but we can't explain them, that's because it's the right side of our brain working to, to funnel emotions and made me feel things. um, Just hearing Jimmy Johnson talk about that again and and things that are hard to articulate here on a platform that (laughs) where you share your vulnerabilities to the dozens of people who tune into this and, you know you can trust them with your vulnerabilities, or at the very least, I was more willing to back in 2019 when I felt a little more insecure with myself uh, during that magical summer after my senior year of high school when uh, we first began the podcast, and it was uh, really poor production, just really poor production quality back then. But it was something that you know I was at least willing to to put out there more as like just for my own sake if you want to go back through the archives first make sure you download all your episodes along the way but if you go back to 2019 archives there's some some weird deep stuff that I haven't unpublished yet on the podcast so you know it's it's still sitting back there in the old archives but one of the things that I found interesting um, also with Bill Cowher's talk is Bill Cowher had immediate success in his 30s. Um, he was the first coach to, to make six consecutive playoff appearances. He had the, the best team in football in 1994 before they lost to the underdog San Diego Superchargers and the only conference champion that the San Diego Chargers had in their 50-plus years in San Diego. And then in 1995 makes the Super Bowl with some of the, you know, Hall of Famers down the line. And one of the things that he talked about was getting to his 40s and by 48 being ready to walk away from football and move into broadcasting and never wanting to leave that. Like he he wasn't sure if coaching would call him back and coaching tends to call a lot of these people back um this is something that is articulated a lot with uh coaches within the coaching circle is that you know coaching makes you generally very unhappy but it's always drawing people back in john gruden got drawn back in uh in his 50s back to coaching and and for bill cowher he found he found peace with walking away from football at 48 and going to work for cbs and, and Having his wife die and then meeting another love in New York and have building a new life outside of what he had already built and, and being content to walk away from coaching and being someone who, who got to have work that gave him purpose. And that was something that sticks to me because having work that brings purpose to life is something that hits at one of my core values. And maybe, you know, podcasting doesn't give me purpose. It gives me purpose, even if it's not like a greater purpose. But, you know, it's something that really, really connects with me. Hence the fact that I just want to, you know, on a Saturday night, throw on the microphones and just talk and, and spill out what I think. And so to see that Bill Cower story was really emotionally intense because it's something that, you know, with Jimmy Johnson talking about his family and, and trying to correct old mistakes, which I had already known the story in part before, but hearing him rearticulate it in his own words um, and talking about having all of the other part with Jimmy Johnson. That was great was having all of his friends and, and coaches and former players like Troy Aikman and, and Emmett Smith come down to the Florida Keys and hang out for two days with him go fishing and drinking and telling stories um, they got to enjoy the things that they weren't allowed to enjoy back in the 90s whether it be you know being in the moment and being miserable because winning is oftentimes misery being in the process is misery Um, to to Jerry Jones firing him and never really getting his swan song with the Dallas Cowboys and, and breaking up a team that most of the people there say would have won four or five championships in the 90s and with Jimmy's ability to evaluate talent and the fact that the herschel walker trade gave them a ton of draft picks like jimmy johnson was a hall of fame talent evaluator both in miami and the dallas cowboys and the university of miami jimmy johnson got the abundance of draft picks from the herschel walker trade against the grain to actually build the championship team with the dallas cowboys and because they never got their swan song um, they didn't get to enjoy it, and it only took being removed even decades from that, from their identity, from their previous identities, and going off on their own ventures and coming back and being able to reminisce on how fun and how great of a time they they actually had together but couldn't couldn't see in the moment because of the work and the process that went into being that great in such a cutthroat industry where... You know, If you're not sleeping in the office and you're not there until 3 a.m. and coming back at 6 a.m., then there's something wrong with you or you don't want it enough. In that cutthroat industry of professional football, um, it made a lot of guys miserable. And Jimmy Johnson articulating that and the process that went into it was something that connected to me mostly because you know, I, I anticipate that I will reach that at some point. And we've been doing podcasts for for two years now, two years plus. We're going into year three. We've done seven hundred episodes. We're getting pretty close to seven hundred. But if you want to count episodes I've done on YouTube and Instagram Lives and you and um, the Slump Buster Boys and guest hosting other podcasts, like we've done seven hundred episodes here. In two years. And I look at that and think that, you know, 700 hours helps our facet, it helps develop a skill talking into a microphone and with other people. It helps develop a skill, but there's so much more to it than just that. And it's something that I'll think about as I go on forward is like the work that's put into it. Will I look back and say, hey, you know we were obsessed with numbers and trying to build a profession out of this but did we did we really enjoy it while we had the moment did i really enjoy the take it easy podcast like it is now and i i honestly look now and say that this is a moment to enjoy that this just talking to into a microphone about a whole lot of nothing and just spilling my soul out like uh, at least in some way, shape, or form, is what I originally started the podcast for. And wanting to just articulate that is, you know, it's something that's, you know, making me feel a little emotional right now. And I haven't paused yet, but I feel like I might need to take a pause at some point here just to kind of recollect and regroup and uh, re recenter where we're talking about. But Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cower were the two stories there that, really connected to my core values, the idea of purpose in work, um, working through the process and realizing that if you're not enjoying it, and maybe it'll take time to realize just how great it is, but there is no no mountain that all of a sudden makes you happy. And this is, again, Kevin Durant's psychology as he signs a four-year extension with Brooklyn, an organization that gives him near total power and lets him play with his friends and bring in the coach that he wants and gives him freedom of the superstar in his late 30s who still produces at an unreal level, is the idea that reaching the mountain can make you miserable. Now, sometimes losing can be more miserable because at least you get the satisfaction of of success that gives you that temporary hit of dopamine or temporary hit of uh, oxytocin or temporary hit of serotonin. From just having a little victory, but those are fleeting moments. And it's only in hindsight sometimes that you recognize how great you had it in the moment. And COVID forced a lot of people into that perspective too. Like what you had was great. And now that it's gone away or this relationship isn't what it was, then all of a sudden, you know, maybe you're not, you, you weren't, you didn't take advantage of it in the moment. And I know a lot of people are coming back into the world with new relationships and new, hopefully we took away lessons, but new lessons post-COVID and that'll be the new world that they enter. Hopefully in some way, shape or form, I hope that we don't pretend like nothing ever happened um, as we get more further and further beyond, um, I guess, a, a moment where we, a generationally defining moment. Um, which was about a year of lockdowns and a year of quarantines. Um, it, it's a generationally defining moment, you know. Happens every hundred years, but within generations, it happens every like five years. Like you can point back to to major moments like the stock market crash in 2008, 9/11, and obviously you can go back to Hurricane Katrina for you know a city like New Orleans and the Southern United States, or. Whatever it is, there's some sort of generational defining moment that kind of pivots things in different directions. The the end of the Cold War, the Vietnam War, whatever it might end up being. There are generational defining moments that we can point to as like this is when a culture or counterculture shifts and hopefully we take away lessons from COVID in that way. But, you know, maybe we didn't protect the relationships that we did. And this brings back to that idea of just... The process matters more than anything else, and the people matter more than anything else because those are the things that we will carry with us. And I it, it just every now and then you get a little reminder like that, like a Hall of Fame ceremony, it gives us that that little level of perspective. And, and so the place I wanted to wrap up tonight was. Or today, or this afternoon, evening, or morning, however and whenever it is that you are listening, uh, I've gotten really good at that over the years. The place I wanted to finish tonight was uh, talking about, you know, my connection to, I guess, just childhood, Hall of Fame, football, um, because I I I'm a sports nerd, like at heart, through and through. I'm just a ridiculous nerd who. Grew up sitting in front of the TV and watching ESPN, and, you know, that became his forced-upon dream. I mean, I love it so much, but, you know, it was something that was just natural, like talking about sports and being nerdy about sports. That was just something that was natural to me, and it's the reason that I want to do this podcast. It's the reason that, you know, I want to continue doing this podcast every single day of my life because I love it. I love just turning on microphones and doing podcasts and talking with my friends. And I love this podcast and what I've grown it into, whatever it may be. Like, I just love it so much. And as I get ready to head off into the real world and, you know, in, in the words of Bill Cower, kind of like find a job with purpose and something that. Makes, that helps me wake up every single day with a smile, excited to go do what I do and love what I do, and, and find something new after that to pivot to whatever my life may look like 15, 20 years from now, but just give myself a chance. And, you know, the connection to the Hall of Fame is something that I would, you know, as I talked a little bit earlier, I'd sit on my couch at home and have, have a smile across my face, listening to stories and being comforted by. A couch at a, you know, a home that didn't always feel that way to me. There was a lot of anxieties, a lot of depressions that went on. And it it was not always that. And sports were always that comfort zone. It's the reason that i would drawn to them so much. Even though now I have the perspective to look up and say, where can I find balance in my life? And that balance is having friends who do not like sports. It is a great balance that I find in my life because all in all, Sports are not that important. And I've become obsessed with something that, in the grand scheme of things, is not that important. But what makes sports and football and Hall of Fame ceremonies great, other than the amazing idea of just a group of men coming together and shedding their emotions in front of everyone to see, so that people like myself who struggle to feel things at times can then bear their souls and, and enjoy those types of moments, you know, apart from the greatness that comes from that. One of the great things about sports is that it means nothing in the grand scheme of things other than a, you know, a billion something dollar economy, but it means a lot to a lot of people. Like people invest way too much of their emotional stability into sports. Hell, look at me. I I crap on people all the time for doing it with teams, but I just invested in sports as a whole. The idea of covering sports. I invest way too much. Of myself into that because I love it so damn much and sports means so much to so many people and it's it's been something ever since I was a child that has been you know ingrained in me And I love talking about it and I love throwing out weird stats and the the weird complexities of sports and learning that sports reflect society and then they're used in ways to help formulate opinions about things that actually matter and form the way that I can see the world. Like it's the greatest gift in the world is this prism that millions upon millions of people can share with me. Like millions upon millions of people Love this, like, cultish figure of sports, whatever their sport may be. If it's football, I mean, there's two, I've had up to two million people a week, like, four million people interact in a month with my account about football with comical sports memes. Like, there is this community that gauges around this. It's a cultish following that everyone can bask in, and it's the greatest thing in the world, at least as far as i can tell it's the greatest thing that i have experienced and part of that is that i don't have any level of perspective outside of that but i love it so much and to have those emotions connect me back to a time that makes me smile in mid august as the sun sets around me and the temperature feels a little warm and you know i can feel like tears Picking up on my face and it draws me back into being you know seventh eighth, ninth grader watching other Hall of Fame ceremonies with players that I again only knew by name, but it was something that drew me in and now here twenty year old there wasn't a Hall of fame ceremony last year, so the last time we would have had one was during that before that summer before I started college when we had those weird podcasts going on and it's something that draws me in. It makes me feel, and that's something that, you know, it doesn't happen a lot. And just to have that once-a-year moment, I kind of forgot how great it feels after missing it for three years because I didn't watch it in 19, and, you know, there was nothing last year. And it's something that helps me to connect because sports are, they mean a lot to a lot of people. And there's this bearing of the soul that comes out every now and then with sports fandoms and on a smaller level, just the connections that we have, but... You know, millions of people follow this weird cult. And if you like for those who are from the outside, it doesn't make sense. And for those on the inside, you don't have to explain the feeling because everyone gets it. Everyone feels those emotions. And man, isn't that cool when you can make human connections in that way with the friends of this show? I feel like I've made human connections in this way because there's just this weird bond around sports and the mediums that we use to express things that we think about, things that we find interesting, ways that we view the world. Cuz yes, it may be through the prism of David Montgomery, but it is the way that we perceive the world. And maybe other people see it too and that's a great thing because then there's this connecting point where everyone has this common this common focus. This weird game that there are no winners, there are no losers. There's no defined rules. It's an infinite game. It's not a, it's not a defined game. Sports the the sports themselves may be finite games, but the sports world itself is an infinite game. There is no point where we can say, all right, we've had enough. We are we have won at sports. We have won at being a sports fan. It's impossible because there's always a next season. There's always a next game. There's always a next team. There is no victory in this infinite game. It's something that we just advance in over and over and over again. And, you know, the sports podcast and sports media industry is a similar type thing. You just advance over and over and over. And I love it so much. And I love talking about sports and just turning on the microphones when you have very little to say and just bearing your soul for 40 minutes to an hour because I love it. I love each and every one of you and This is just one of those where we don't have a topic, we don't have a story. It's just coming on here and being emotional, and I love it. I miss it because this is what the medium is for. It's for bearing our souls, for feeling things, and maybe I did a good job of articulating that in the same way that people giving speeches behind music and screens and crying families and crying men helps bear my emotions, and I love that this is a thing that exists. I love that this is a community we all connect behind and boy it's amazing. Boy it is amazing. And that's that's my connection to childhood and now to re- well really now adulthood and having this different version of it where the Hall of Fame ceremony reflects players that I grew up watching that I have memories for and that'll be something that'll continue for as long as I choose to be a football fan which I like to think will be for a good portion of my life. Who knows what's going to happen 15, 20 years from now, but man, I'm about to start having memories of these players getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. They're people whose careers I've seen from start to finish now. Those people will get into the Hall of Fame soon, like Antonio Brown. I remember Antonio Brown. There's a fun story around that where he was a rookie, and he was the kick returner in the Super Bowl that the Steelers lost to Green Bay when Troy Polamalu won Defensive Player of the Year and was on the cover of Madden. They lost that Super Bowl in 2010 to Aaron Rodgers, and Antonio Brown was the rookie sixth-round pick returning kicks on that team. And I remember watching the Super Bowl, and I remember watching it years later and seeing Antonio Brown return kicks and laughing at that and then realizing Antonio Brown's almost retired. Antonio Brown's going to be a Hall of Famer before the decade is up. And I've seen his entire career from start to finish. I've seen almost all of Calvin Johnson's career from start to finish. Granted, he retired early, but I've seen that entire career basically from start to finish. Because I remember his second year in the league, or third year in the league, dropped touchdown that sparred, like I said, a decade of trying to figure out what's a catch and what's not, what's not a catch. So this is the next iteration of the Hall of Fame ceremony for me. And it was just a profound connection that I wanted to share here today and share some of the lessons that I took away because they hit right at some of my core values. I love each and every one of you and I thank you and appreciate you and just take it easy. Thanks for stopping in. And I hope you have an amazing week, an amazing month, Whatever your purpose may be, live an amazing, amazing life.